Welcome to Medically Speaking Radio. I'm Dr. Mark Vaughn. And I'm Larry Finney. I'm a doctor. And I'm not. Let's get started. All right. Okay, so what's the two of us? Just the two of us. You we and can I. Make it if we try. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, well but we'll be... We'll be joined by it. Wait, do you do you uh, edit this kind of stuff out in post production? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Not much. Otherwise, it just goes out there raw and 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 unvarnished and realistic. Fairly, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I guess I'll give an introduction. Mabel should come in just at the right time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, she, she would hit the post just there, just without even knowing how. That'd be so cool. Let's try it. Let's try it. So we have a guest. And uh, our, our guest is a member of Pulmonary Medical Associates, which is a pulmonary and critical medicine group here in the Sacramento area. It, uh, she also is the co-medical director of service excellence for Sutter Independent Physicians, along with the other co-medical director, which is Dr. Gwen Vaughn. She did her fellowship in pulmonary and critical care medicine, finishing in 2014 at Duke University Hospital. And she also has a Master of Management in Clinical Informatics from Duke from the Fuqua School of Business, which she completed in 2013. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Vanessa Walker. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You cannot believe how incredible your timing just was. (laughs) You actually came in right as I was introducing you. Perfect. So, uh, Vanessa, you, uh, Dr. Walker, you have not met uh, Larry Finney, uh, the co-host of Medically Speaking Radio. I have not. Perhaps only virtually, but here I am, um, kind of, sort of live, uh, socially distanced from you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Same. Yes. So, uh, Dr. Walker, we were just talking uh, before about that we would like you to define a couple things for us as we have a conversation with a pulmonologist in there. One of them would be a uh, doctor of osteopathy because not everybody's as familiar with the difference between MD and DO. Yeah. And then the other one would be a pulmonary and critical medicine specialist. Okay. So um, a doctor of osteopathic medicine um, is very, very similar to um, an allopathic physician, which is what an MD is. Um, you uh, can do the same training, four years of medical school, followed by some type of residency training um, and fellowship in certain instances. But while we're in medical school, um, we get additional training in, in a modality called osteopathic medicine, um, or OMM. Another term is OMT, osteopathic manipulative treatment. Um, and basically, it was kind of founded back in the late 1800s. Um, by a physician who actually lost his entire family to meningitis. Um, And he felt that there had to be something better to do. And he thought of the human body as a machine. And if you could make the machine work well, all the parts working well, the bones, the muscles, then he felt the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the immune system, the lymphatic system, he felt that the body would operate better and the body has this inherent ability to heal itself. 
And I think a lot of us really, that really resonates with many of us, um, especially now as we're trying to find more ways that are a little um, uh, more natural to, to heal our bodies. So um, that was kind of his founding. And back in that time, there really wasn't a lot of modern medicine had to offer. And so people came far and wide. Um, A.T. Still is his name. He was, he was actually an MD. Um, and, uh, he created a curriculum for people to come and study and he taught his various, uh, techniques at which point he moved on. Um, and, and the, the osteopathic world has adopted all of the principles of, uh, the MD world. And, you know, we use the same medicines, we do surgeries, we do everything. We are just founded in that, um, that basis that, uh, the body has this inherent ability to heal itself. And we need to try to find ways to make it as uh, at its maximal um, effort to do so. This sounds Excellent. a bit like uh, the term integrative medicine. Is that, is that kind of the similar thing? Yeah. I mean, integrative medicine, I think is, is a, it's just a, a newer way of saying it. Um, and there's now specialties uh, that people that fo focus on integrative medicine and not every osteopath practices osteopathic medicine. You know, I am now, and I'll go into what I am, I am a pulmonary and critical care physician. And so my specialty is focusing on patients with lung problems, and that can be anything from asthma to lung cancer. Um, so a variety of illnesses. And then, um, uh, but most of my time, honestly, is spent in the intensive care unit, taking care of all patients, um, whether they have medical problems, surgical problems, uh, neurological problems, it doesn't matter. Um, that are critically ill. So if you're in the intensive care unit, you are most likely being taken care of by an intensive care physician. So even as we speak here on May the 24th, you are physically in the ICU right Correct, now. Correct, I am. And, and, and are there patients there to be treated? Oh, yes, there are plenty of patients here to be treated. <laughs> so, so I'm so I'm wondering how many of them are uh, in, in our particular little rural area, uh, COVID-19 patients? Um, at this moment in time, I only have one uh, COVID patient in our ICU. That's good news. Yeah. So this leads me to uh, an anecdote. Actually, Dr. Vaughn and I were talking about the, uh, the mechanics of the COVID uh, uh, nasal pharyngeal uh, test. And I had to go get one yesterday. Uh, yeah. Preparatory to uh, uh, elective surgery. So... Uh, <laughs> It's like a drive-through, uh, except without the milkshake. You know, you just yep. you drive, you drive through, come up to the window. You know, can I have a name for this order? And then, um, yeah, they jam a couple broom straws up up each nostril. Yep. And, and but you know what? It wasn't it wasn't as horrifying as yeah you know, as as with most things in life. Not as horrifying as my imagination would take it. The only yeah. sensation I had was it was like an odd, slight like a I'll describe it as a burning sensation, very temporary. Mm -hmm. And I did not have any urge to, you know, gag, cough, sneeze or anything like that. It was just when it was over, it was over. And it was the whole thing was forgotten 20 seconds later. So really, it's not that big. Yeah. A deal. yeah. You know, I wish. Yes, I wish I... Go ahead. I was just going to say that's a much better experience than what Dr. Uh, Walker does to patients with COVID-19. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um. I guess we should probably discuss that because um, my my sense is that the general public okay there there's two schools of thought on this there's some people that are eh, well let's just say very serious about it and then mm -hmm. others treat it like it's a complete hoax yeah 
And then you have the pulmonologist on YouTube who had the uh, viral video with her rant. Yes, that that person who I have been told is emotionally disturbed and needs a vacation. Just oh, a few I didn't comments see that one. back on that one. <laughs> I, I actually went through every single of the hundred plus comments this afternoon. <laughs> I, I looked at a few of them myself. Some of them are quite unkind and stupid, but you, you know, you, you showed great restraint in responding to them. She was so gracious. She's oh, so life on ten. Well, okay, so <laughs> if I. Uh, if I could summarize what it was she had to say, you know, the, the, the premise was being at Target was the most dangerous place she's been all week, you know, and obviously that would include the ICU. But it was because people weren't wearing masks or, or perhaps practicing their social distancing. Correct. But she emphasized, we need to get the, the world opened back up again, but let's just be smart about it. Wear the mask. But I, I just want to clarify, the mask is for not the person wearing it but for others around them. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's the, the crux here is that we are asking people to do something for somebody else. And that is the hardest thing I think to get somebody to understand is that, it, that a lot of the arguments are, well, if you're afraid, stay home. If you're this, you do that. Don't go out. But the issue is we all have to go out of our homes at some point. And all we are asking is that when we do go out of our homes and we need to go to the store to get something, or God forbid, we want to go um, to a doctor's office or, you know, go somewhere, maybe walk outside. We just want to make sure that we are just as safe as you are. So by me wearing a mask, I am protecting you. And by you wearing a mask, you are doing the kind and uh, courteous thing and respecting me and, and protecting me. And it's not even necessary. You're not protecting me. You're protecting my four-year-old. You're protecting my grandparents. You're, you know, it's it's all about others. And if we can really focus on other people and not be as selfish as we are apt to be, um, then it's something that can be done. What about the person who says, "Yeah, but I don't, I don't have COVID, so I, I don't need to wear the mask." You know, that's interesting because uh, everybody remembers that that um, ship, the naval ship that uh, had all those crew members come down with, with COVID, right? Well, yeah. they actually tested that ship and 60% of the soldiers that are the, the sailors that had COVID were asymptomatic, 60% of them. So wow. many, many people are walking around completely unaware. And you look at what we just saw in the news of those two hairstylists at, um, at, at Great Clips or something uh, in Missouri. And they had actually had symptoms. But, you know, they, there are people everywhere. I guarantee you they were mild symptoms. They weren't dying. They probably just thought they had allergies. You know, the, the, the symptoms of this range anywhere from zero to, you know, on death's door. And, and you don't know where you're going to lie in that, you know, in that range. What about the person who's just walking around, walking their dog there? I've seen this, you know, driving around, you'll see somebody jogging or, or walking a dog or whatever, and they're wearing a mask. Do you think that's necessary? I don't think that's necessary. If you're outside enjoying, you know, the air, don't have a mask with you so that if you come upon a crowd or you meet someone that you'd like to chat with, you can put on a mask safely and enjoy that interaction. But yeah. you're going to be out solitary, you know, jogging, 
biking, whatever, I think that that's, you don't need to wear a mask. But if you're going to go walk in partners or you're going to, you know, ride with a whole crew of people around you, that's when you need to wear a mask. Places where it's not possible to socially distance, you can't be six to 10 feet away from somebody, then wear a mask to protect, uh, to protect others. Okay. So if you're, if you're assiduously practicing the, the six plus feet of, of social distancing, you're, probably okay yeah you're probably okay now it's this is not i mean you could we've shown people can cough or sneeze and shoot aerosols 20 feet across a room so it, oh, yeah. we kind of arbitrarily pick this six to ten foot thing um but I, I think it's it's all it all comes down to just kind of using a little bit of common sense here which we're finding is not terribly common apparently <laughs> and, <laughs> and and just think you know, if I'm going to be in a situation where I'm going to be in a speaking distance, not shouting distance, but speaking distance with somebody else, then I should probably put on a mask. Now, what about uh, for parents who cannot, for practical reasons, leave their kids in the car or whatever? They need to go into the store with the kids. Uh, what do you think about masks for kids? Is that necessary? Yeah, I think masks for kids are great. I made a Mickey Mouse mask for my son and a Moana mask for my daughter, and they love them and they think they're great. Um, and you know? haven't taken them anywhere to wear them. So, um, I, you know, they have them around the house, but if I needed to go to the store and I, you know, was a single parent and had to take somebody in, I get that. We're not trying to be, you know, completely Machiavellian here, but at the very least cover your kids' faces, unless they're under the age of two. Um, it's, they, they have said, you know, two-year-olds are under, you're probably, um, you're not going to keep a mask on that child and it's just going to cause more harm than, or trauma than anything. But if they're a reasonable kid, you make it into a game, give them a character mask, um, tell, call them a superhero and leave it at that. It's, it's not, we're not trying to infringe on their freedoms. We're just trying to be nice and teach everybody to be healthy. It's hard enough to keep shoes on a two-year-old. I remember when my kids were young, throwing their shoes out the window of the opened car window. You know, as we're driving down the road. <laughs> Great, you know. So, yeah, I can see where math just wouldn't work so well. I, I like what you, you said there about, yeah, with the two-year-old, we just have to live with the compromise. Yeah. And I, I think of that so much with, you know, the... The tracking, um, I guess we're not going to be able to use the app tracker because of the resistance, at least in Placer County. And those of us who are trying to limit the spread of coronavirus have to be very comfortable with a compromise of we're not going to have everybody on board with our recommendations. We're going to have to be comfortable with the fact that those people exist yeah. and, and we'll do our best to keep social distancing according to the, you know, the numbers that we're tracking to keep the hospital numbers at a certain level, knowing that it's in tandem with people just simply not cooperating. Yeah. I mean, this thing is going to spread. There's no stopping it. The cat's out of the bag. We're done. It's going to spread. It's all about at this point, trying to mitigate it, keep it down so that we never overwhelm our hospitals. Um, and uh, that, you know, and it's not just so that we're not overwhelming our hospitals of COVID patients. We don't want to overwhelm our hospitals and make it so that when you're out enjoying yourself on Folsom Lake and you, you know, get into a skiing accident or something happens, we want a trauma center open and available, able to take care of you. We don't want it filled up with COVID patients. So, you know, everybody is still, we're still having heart attacks. We're still having strokes. Things are still happening to people while we're living our lives. But if we fill up with COVID, then, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to take care of all the other things that we're supposed to take care of. 
Good. So I'm, I'm hoping by this, you can kind of assure me that the hospital is going to be a safe place for me to go on Thursday for my elective surgery, right? Absolutely. And that's, a, that's what I was saying. Good. I feel like the hospital is the safest place that I've been. Everybody is wearing masks. We are very hypervigilant about hand washing and cleaning. All the patients are getting tested upon admission. Uh, I mean, we, so we know where the COVID is in our hospital, you know? Um, everybody gets their temperature checked on the way in. And if they have any symptoms, they're not coming into work. And so this is, like I said, this is the safest place to be. Um, so, if, yeah. and we've stressed this numerous times on many platforms. I went on TV, um, the uh, ER, head of our ER did the same thing. The Medical Society, the Sacramento, uh, the Sierra Sacramento Valley Medical Society has put out uh, two or three PSAs trying to encourage people to not only go to the ER if they need to, but contact their primary and get in to take care of, ur you know, urgent or, you know, needed chronic medical conditions. Because that's the worst thing that I think that can happen is we, we just are fearful, stay in our homes. We don't go see Dr. Vaughn at the primary care office and make sure that our diabetes is under control, make sure that we're not putting on that COVID-19 pounds. Um, you know, the, we've got to take care of our health because this is going to flare up in the fall. There's no doubt in my mind plus influenza, and you will be at much better ability to, to fight any virus. If you're healthy, if your diabetes are under control, your blood pressure is under control, your weight is down. I mean, all the things that you need to just be healthy, you'll be able to fight it a lot better. Speaking of COVID-19 pounds, um, my wife and I visited a, uh, a, we'll call it a fast food restaurant where they did some curbside service. And the person who brought our order out to us was wearing a mask, but they had it kind of slid down their face so that their nose nose was completely exposed. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking that's like defeating the purpose, right? Isn't oh. that kind of like um, useless? Yeah. I mean, I'll say, I'll say it's 50% useless, right? Because while they're talking, okay. they're probably not shooting spit droplets out of their mouth, right? So we yeah, okay. have that going for us. But the droplets <laughs> that they're exhaling out of their nose are still, are still there. So um, kind of like wearing... Wearing half a helmet. Yeah, you just hope exactly. you land on the hard side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about we didn't, we didn't say much about it yet, but uh, Dr. Walker, you and Angela Trapp have your YouTube channel, Life on 10. Yes. And uh, there was a, a video of, of you talking about your experience at, at Walmart. We'll actually put a, a link to the Life on 10 channel in the, in the notes. Thank you. Tell us about Life on 10. Why would somebody want to watch Life on 10? So Angela and I started Life on 10 because um, we, we just, honestly, it was kind of a hobby. We like talking. We like picking up, uh, discussing issues that are important to us. Um, and we really like the concept of finding what it means to you to be kind of like, you know, they say, live your best life. But it's all personal. Everybody's best life, what my best life is, is totally different than what Dr. Vaughn's best life is. And you know, it, it just, it, it's all unique to you, but whatever it is, find it and try to live it. And so that's our concept behind starting the channel and, and starting the channel was us living our life on 10, you know? So, um, and that's, you know, living your life 10 out of 10 is kind of where the, the concept came from. Um, and we, yeah, for Larry, we would have to, for Larry, we have to make it 11. <laughs> yeah, all the way up to 11. <laughs> We've, we've done a few, um, a few topics so far. We haven't been able to film much recently because of all this, but um, the first few topics were more, you know, like talking about stay at home parenting and 
um, and versus working parents. Why does there have to be a versus? Why can't it just be, this is the decision I've made and let's support everybody on whatever decision. I mean, things like that. And then we did a big talk about compassion and how the lack of compassion in our society in general has led to, um, you know, a lot of tragedy. And, and it's interesting because we, I feel like we kind of were um, uh, predicting what was going to happen because we've all, you know, we mentioned in that episode how the only time we seem to come together as a country is when something, you know, terrible happens. And then COVID hit and we all did kind of pull together up front. Everybody seemed to, okay, we got to just lock down for the next week or two. And we all pulled together. And then as it dragged on, people didn't see the the sky fall the way they thought it was going to fall. Unless you live in New York, then you, you're a believer. Um, but it, it now people are seeing, well, it didn't work. And unfortunately, if, well, fortunately and unfortunately, if your public health things work, you don't really see it. <laughs> um, if, if they don't work, a bunch of people die. So you're kind of in a lose-lose as if you're a public health official and that's sad. But um, we're, we're lacking compassion all across the board for everybody. I don't want to be this mask Nazi and tell everybody you have to wear a mask and you're a horrible person if you don't. I'm not saying that. I think I'm just trying to protect you by wearing my mask and that's me living my life on 10. I am trying to just be my best person and help you. Um, if you don't want to wear a mask, you know what? I can't force you to wear a mask. I'm just asking you to consider it and the reason why you're not wearing it. If you're not wearing it because it does something physically to you and makes it, you know, and ruins your life, okay, fine. But if you're just not wearing it because politically you think it, you shouldn't be wearing it or you think people are lying to you, I think reconsider that notion. That's all I'm asking. Just reconsider it and, and dig deep. Why are you not wanting to wear a mask? What's your real reason behind it? Yeah, I don't think, I think it needs good. to, it, I don't think it needs to be this, but it's turned into this binary argument of uh, if, if you wear a mask, you're a, you're being a sheep. And if you don't, you're, you're killing my grandma. Exactly. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's not, not an in between. Yeah, there, apparently, apparently not. For some people, there is not. <laughs> wow. <sighs> wow. So, um, as you're talking to us, Doctor Walker, there's a, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm feeling some pangs of guilt. There are not patients urgently, you know, pushing their call button or anything right now um, while you're chatting. <laughs> no, with us, no in, I, in I have already seen all the patients today. I am just now sitting down at what many people uh, outside of healthcare don't realize um, is the many hours I will now spend documenting all the actual work that I've done. You know, the, the life-saving part of my job is done. Now comes the secretary part where I get to sit here and type note after note or dictate note after note after note. That's good, because I wouldn't want it on my conscience that I killed someone's grandma because <laughs> you were talking to me. <laughs> no, we don't, no, want, we don't that. want that. Well, thank you, so, thank you so much, Dr. Walker, for being our guest. We actually hope to have you back another time sometime sure. uh, talking about another topic related to pulmonary and critical care Happy medicine. Happy to do it. And or maybe even informatics. We, we never even got to your master's degree. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've... Um, I'm now I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm an informatics expert. Um, it's more that I just have an interest in, um, informatics and actually in telemedicine and, and how following the capture of data, um, and, and applying that to populations. I think that it's been the game changer forever and we just haven't really embraced it. And I really hope 
that with the, with COVID um, and them relaxing the rules on payment for telemedicine and telehealth, that, that we're really going to start reaching our true potential on providing care to people to help um, uh, through the use of technology. Excellent. Again, Dr. Walker, thank you so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. Hope she gets back to, to all of those other cases so that we don't have that on our conscience. That's absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I should give uh, an update for the channel or not the channel, the podcast. Uh, we don't have any messages to play for our listeners. Oh, that's too bad. But uh, yes. well, maybe tune in next week when I'll give you the results of my COVID test. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because then we'll know the results. Because she, well, Larry, thinking, I was thinking, what if I'm one of those people who actually had it and didn't know it? Oh, that'd be interesting. Oh, wait a minute, though. Yeah, no, wait. I'm sorry. This test doesn't. I, I did ask the question yesterday. This test only tests to see if you have it presently, but it will not That's true. indicate whether or not you have any um, antibodies or anything. It's for little pieces of RNA that actually we have found. Uh, I guess it's more the South Koreans have found it out for us. They can stick around a long time. <laughs> so. There are people having positive tests weeks after they got over the illness. Oh, well, I've not had anything. But not, not everybody. Yeah. Well, it, it, I, frankly, I would be shocked if that were the case in my particular instance. Anyway. And then I can also regale you possibly at that time with uh, stories of my uh, elective surgery. So excellent. I look forward to it. <laughs> I oddly, so do I. <laughs> See you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's all we have for this week, folks. Tune in next week. Once again, you will hear Dr. Mark Bond say, until next time, stay in good health.